Good afternoon, everybody. This is Kevin Stevenson. You join me for I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson, on Market Scale Radio. Excited to have you with us today. Uh, I've got a guest, you know, somebody I've known for over 20 years, and he still talks to me, so that's that's a surprise in itself. But uh, welcome, Steve Loveless. Steve, welcome to I Don't Care. Hey, thanks, Kev. It's really good to be with you. Yeah, you know, we go back a long way, right? Back back to our days in Nebraska. Yeah, Steve, I was uh, on the executive team at uh, Good Samaritan Health System in Kearney, Nebraska. And Steve started out as our administrative fellow, right? That's right. Yeah. Good grief, man. And the good thing is neither one of us have aged over the years, so I'm really happy about that. So, so Steve, tell, tell my uh, viewers and listeners a little bit about you know, kind of your career path from, you know, our days in outstate Nebraska. Yeah, you bet. Again, thanks for having me today, Kev. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, that was back when I had hair, I believe. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I came to Good Samaritan and Kearney as an administrative fellow right out of my education at The Ohio State University. Um, <laughs> And really the education occurred in Kearney, Nebraska over the course of 11 years, grew up in healthcare from administrative fellow and left 11, 12 years later as the interim CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, did a short stop with another Catholic healthcare institution before I came here to Montana uh, as the chief operating officer with SCL Health, St. Vincent Healthcare. And, um, about three years into my tenure here, took over as the CEO, and then we're part of a system, and we began to regionalize and uh, took over the region of Montana, where I had responsibility for really everything that was occurring under the SCL Health umbrella. Okay. Uh, three now, hospitals. Now how, I was about to say, how large was that? What all did, did, did your system encompass? Yeah, so the things I had responsibility for were three hospitals, probably 250 uh, to 300 physicians, uh, many, many partnerships across the region, uh, the strategic activities as well as the operations and the financial performance of the region. So yeah. it's been a great 10 years that we've been here, have absolutely loved Montana. Yeah. And uh, the work that we've been doing with SCL Health. So. Well, that's great. Well, I know, you know, I was in Kearney for uh, about three years, and I know the foundation that that you got to lay for your career there because, you know, while we were in outstate Nebraska in a community of about 30,000 people with another close to 10,000 college students, we had a huge catchment area. I always tell people it's the size of the state of, the state of Indiana with only about 300,000 people. But, uh, you know, uh, until my current hospital, I always said that was my favorite place mm -hmm. because we did some we did some things that, you know, you wouldn't expect in in rural healthcare. Uh, you know, we did everything except transplants and burns. We had an unbelievably robust cardiac program. We were on the forefront, you know, of this thing called service excellence that nobody had ever heard of back in the day. And you and I, you'll remember this, we co-chaired that service excellence committee that was the beta site for all of CHI. And yeah, you know, we made some, that's still one of my, the highlights of my career. 
uh, and, and doing that. You know, we were involved in the Disney Institute. We worked with Quint Studer before, you know, he went big time and started the Studer Group and then sold, uh, sold to uh, uh, Huron, I think. But uh, it was just a, you know, we worked hard, we played hard. Uh, we were very pro risk taking and we were pretty blessed that our risks for the most part, you know, uh, worked out. And blessed with leadership that had a vision and a willingness to take those risks. And I'll yeah. tell you, Kev, those early activities, um, you know, as they pulled me out of the fellowship into that role of, of value enhancement and mm -hmm. uh, the efforts to understand what brought value to healthcare and then to break it down and pursue action plans in each of those areas and drive value further was the groundwork for the activities that I've been uh, driving in my organization since and the work I'm launching into at this point. Yeah, and, and me, me too. You know, I carried those lessons over throughout the other hospitals and even outside of the hospital. I, I spent a few years uh, uh, doing some other things in healthcare. But I always took those initial learnings and really that focus, really the focus on the patient. And uh, so uh, it was it was a lot of fun back then. And, and we had some characters, didn't we? <laughs> that, that would be another show. <laughs> well, anyway, so, so Steve, you know, pretty recently you decided to do something different. Tell, tell the listeners about it. Yeah, I'm real excited about this transition. So I've been in uh, leadership roles now for close to 25 years and a pretty quick ascent that occurred there in Kearney into the senior leadership ranks and have been working in different capacities in senior leadership ever since. Um, again, with a focus on organizational development and growing individuals and leaders within the organization because it's about the people as you mentioned with a focus on the patient it's about the people and if you're going to have great people you've got to have great leaders mm -hmm. and uh, my experience over the years both the joy that i've received at work and the success that i have experienced has come through the development of others Mm -hmm. And uh, here, as I've contemplated then, sort of a second career for me and where I want to spend the next 15 to 20 years, it really came back to that, the development of others and okay. specifically leaders to be effective in their roles, which has brought me to executive coaching. That's great. Now, now, are, are you going to be focusing just in healthcare or are you going to be looking outside of the industry as well for clients? No, I will look outside of healthcare, but with a primary focus in the industry. Obviously, I've got a lot of experience, a lot of things to draw up on. But what you'll find with coaching, it's not content specific. Mm -hmm. It's really about the individual and helping the individual to better understand who they are, to then show up being their best self for those that they lead. Okay. Well, you kind of stole my thunder because my first question was, why should somebody engage with an executive coach? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put that back to you with a question. Do you know of a professional athlete that doesn't have a coach? That, it's that's a great point. Or a team sport? That, that's a great point. No, not, I don't. Huh, hadn't thought about it that way. So, so um, what makes a good coach? 
Yeah. You know, if we want to improve, we need to have a trusting relationship with somebody who's willing to give us feedback. And that relationship is critical. When I think about an effective coach, it really has to be somebody with which you have the ability to foster trust such that you're willing to share uh, mm -hmm. really your soul. You're willing to be transparent about your challenges and opportunities, and you're willing, uh, an ability and willingness to receive that critical feedback, which doesn't happen the first time you come together. Obviously, you build that trust over time. But an effective coach is somebody who can build a successful relationship to the point such that they can give honest, direct, and critical feedback in the moment where it's going to have the most impact for the client. Okay, so I, I I've talked a lot on, on my podcast about mentoring. So what's the difference between a coach and a mentor, Steve? Yeah, we all need mentors, and I've had many of them going back to the days that we were together. <laughs> mentors can provide that feedback. They can be honest with you. They can direct you, sometimes consult with you. Uh, but a coach is somebody that it's a very structured arrangement where it's identified the length of time, really the objectives, the things you're going to accomplish uh, in the duration of that relationship, and even some structure about how you go about that activity, which we can talk more about. Yeah, yeah. So Not to take the place of mentors. We all need mentors. Absolutely. So when you're looking for clients, you know, what are what what are the characteristics of a good client in, in your opinion? Yeah, and I've seen both, right? Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes organizations bring individuals to you that they want fixed. And yeah. frankly, when you're to that point where you know that somebody's uh, either going to turn the corner tomorrow or they're going to be out, you're probably past the opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, what I think makes a great client, uh, and really my practice has brought me to focusing on really executives, CEOs, and the up-and-comers. Mm -hmm. They make the best clients because they're hun hungry, they're introspective, they want to know about themselves, they've got a desire to learn, they're open to feedback. Um, I think those are some of the things that make a great client. And even if you haven't been all that introspective, just a willingness to be in that space and to be vulnerable uh, changes the paradigm. It changes the relationship between coach and client. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we know from from all the, the many Myers-Briggs tests that we've taken within healthcare, it seems like, you know, I, I, we, we all take them. You know, typical CEOs are ISTJs, so they're somewhat introspective, so you've got a little bit of a leg up with them. But you know, then you get people like me. You know, the ENFPs that are that are their entertainers that are you know outgoing. You know, I, I would imagine I'm gonna, I would be a little bit more of a difficult client for you. What would you think? Uh, not necessarily so, Kevin. Um, and partly because you wear it on your sleeve, right? Yeah. So sometimes with that introvert, that ISTJ. Uh, you've got to get them so comfortable that they're then will, willing to share. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody that, like yourself, you're, you're right out there. You're very open. It's very transparent where you're at, and that conversation can evolve much quicker. And so I tell you, every engagement is very different because 
we are all very different and our background, our life experience, the things that we bring to the table are very different as well. Yeah. So, so in your coaching engagements, obviously you're focusing on the professional side, but do you ever really delve into that personal side uh, with your clients? Yeah. And I'll just give you a quick experience if that's okay. Mm -hmm. uh, a client that I'm working with now, um, She's a very successful individual, um, just moved into a senior level role. Um, one of the attributes for which they wanted coaching was um, some of her presence. And so in uh, critical meetings and other places, she would have a tendency to really back individuals into a corner with her questions. And then you could just watch the preparation to pounce, right? So I've gotcha. Yeah. Um, and that gotcha mentality has implications. When you think about what that does to culture, when you think about what it does in terms of how people then view her and subsequently the leadership of the organization. And it was fascinating to jump into this with her. Um, what we discovered, and it took some work, you just wouldn't have gotten there in a mentoring relationship, what we discovered is she grew up in a home with addicts. Her mother was an addict and there were addicts in and out of the home. And just as a self-protective strategy, she had to use questions to catch them in the moment, yeah. just as a survival mode. Huh. And her understanding and recognition of how that then came over into her leadership style and is playing out and the implications gave her both the ability and the ammunition to make a significant change in her approach. Recognizing questions are great so long as the motive is pure. Mm -hmm. And so for her, it was a subtle shift of making a motive check. When she recognized creating space between that stimulus and response, when she recognized she was going down the path of these gotcha questions, she could just step back internally and ask the question, why am I going there? What's my motive? Do a motive check and then re-engage in the conversation. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Change your effectiveness as a leader. Okay. So do you, do you accept multiple clients in an organization? And, and if so, how does that dynamic work within your engagement? Because, you know, it, it, to me, you would be coaching on that individual level, but then there, then there's that next level of a of an organizational or cultural coach, if you will. Yeah, a great question, and I'm very sensitive, and I think you'll find most coaches are to that dynamic. Uh, you never want to coach in the same chain of authority, um, and in the case, I think you're probably familiar with uh, some feedback that I received from individuals who were in the same organization. Um, they were actually colleagues, mm -hmm. and when the organization engaged me as their coach, uh, they had identified these two individuals as uh, up-and-comers, mm -hmm. actually brought me together with the two of them, their one-up leader and the CEO, to talk about the engagement. And we just established the parameters very transparently. Mm -hmm. um, and if they weren't talking to each other, they would not have known that I was coaching within the organization. It's really a relationship much like the patient-physician relationship. It just has to be held in the strictest of confidence by the coach. And that's my obligation is to keep that confidence and to keep that, that private. Okay. 
So, so in the process of say, uh, you know, something, say you're, you're working with an individual in an organization, you know, and you're focusing on them in your coaching role, would you ever go beyond that and, and say maybe do, uh, do interviews with colleagues, even though you're not engaged with them? Absolutely. In fact, that's a critical element uh, to most coaching engagements where we yeah. would do a 360. Yeah, and, like, yeah. And that 360 typically is done uh, via a 30-minute phone call with the individuals that are identified uh, as part of the process. The value of doing it that way, Kev, is you have the ability to peel the onion. So you would you do that after you get started in the engagement so you know the areas of focus you know the things that the the client the individual receiving the coaching is interested in improving um, and then i go out and have those conversations with individuals that work with or for that individual mm -hmm. and we draw out both the strengths the things that make that individual successful and the opportunities and then we begin to peel the onion in those areas of opportunity. And it makes for just wonderful content to be able to come back and talk about the discovery. Yeah. And then really it goes back to the client and a coaching philosophy or principle is that the client is resourceful. They're going to have the answers. It's for the coach to help facilitate the individual getting there. And so with that information, which is de-identified, you only bring back themes, um, things that they can then chew on, they use that information to help them as they work through. And okay, interesting. Well, you know, I remember back in our Carney days, and not only were we forward thinking in our operations uh, of the hospital, but, you know, if you'll recall, we were pretty, pretty forward thinking in leadership development and personal coaching. I remember a group that came in and that was my first exposure to the 360 degree evaluation that I found incredibly beneficial personally, because, you know, we all think, hey, you know, we've got a good handle on how we present ourselves and how we, you know, how we interact. But, but when your colleagues are talking to you about or sharing with somebody else, you know, just their perceptions of you and your, and your persona, it, it really allows you to take that, you know, that, that interest self self introspection, uh, you know, you're looking at yourself. And so, you know, it's really interesting that you integrate that in your practice as well. So, so, okay. So why, why coaching over other leadership development efforts? I've, you know, I was in one system for four years, uh, many years ago, uh, that every year we had a different leadership development program. And we, you know, we spent hours and hours, and I know the system spent, you know, who knows how many dollars on a different leadership development program every year. So why coaching over that? Yeah, and I think there's a place for both. I, I really do. The value of coaching, however, you know, as you're working leadership development programs broadly within the organization, you're working within a band. And the idea is how do we help everybody get into that band and slightly improve within the band. The opportunity with leadership coaching is you can take an individual that has high potential or an up and comer, somebody that you are committed to as an organization that you want to have their commitment to the organization 
And basically you're saying, look, we think you have real potential and we want to invest in you. And that investment is specific to their needs and opportunities, specific mm-hmm. to the objectives of the organization and what you need them to accomplish. And so you're basically giving somebody the ability to just catapult well above anything you're doing in the leadership development opportunities, which mm-hmm. again, I'm a proponent of, as you know, yeah. I've invested millions over the years in leadership development and will continue to encourage clients to do that and have some suggestions and recommendations of things that work and things that don't work quite as well. But I would tell you, you get such a return on your investment with coaching because of the significant leaps that individuals can make when the activity is tailored to them. And that's exactly what happens with coaching. Yeah, and I would think too that that you know not only the benefit of your coaching expertise, but also just you know, for that person being recognized internally as, hey, you know, they're wanting to invest even more in me because they see something in me that uh, could lead to a, a leadership position or a senior leadership role. So interesting. So, so we've talked a little bit about how coaching works, but are there any other aspects that you'd like to like to discuss? Yeah, you bet. There's a lot of things, Kev. Um, Start with um, just a typical engagement. So mm-hmm. ideally, you know, I typically contract with an organization that wants to invest in an individual or with the CEO themselves. Um, coaching would last from nine months to about a year, ideally. Yeah. We have some engagements that are shorter than that. But when you think about it, the first few months are really intensive self-learning. It's that understanding. It's going back to the assessments you've completed. Maybe we complete a couple of more. Hmm. It's the identification of an action plan. It's the 360 that then distills into, here's going to be our focus. And then the actual behavior changes we're going to be uh, working through. And really the reason for the length of the engagement is it gives you time to both make the behavior change and ensure that it sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and things will change over the course of you know that nine months to a year. Uh, but what I have found is that's the most effective length of an engagement. And on the other side of the engagement, you come away with things like clearly articulated values, a purpose statement. Uh, we talked about the 360. Frankly, one of the one of the greatest benefits of the 360 while we get information on the opportunities it's about strengths mm-hmm. most of us are leaders in an organization there are strengths that we have who have, that have brought us to this juncture in our career and many of us really don't have a good understanding of the things that have propelled us to this point that we need to continue to invest in and lean upon uh, as we further our careers And so all of that comes into play. We work on self-protective strategies. I think I gave you an example of, so what are those things that that we turn to without even thinking that if we could create just a little bit of space between that stimulus and that response so that you give thought to the the action you wanna take, how much more effective you would be. And so we come to understand what are those self-protective strategies And then what are some subtle shifts that can be made to further your effectiveness as a leader? And so uh, really it's, 
it's a fascinating process, both mm -hmm. for the individual going through it, but frankly, for me as the coach, as everyone is different, everyone takes a little bit of a different turn here and there, um, but the benefit and the value to the individual and to the organization, at least in the experiences I've had thus far, has been tremendous. So Yeah. Well, and I've, I've seen that as well. I, I have, I've had a coach off and on throughout my career. And yeah, again, just really working with them to, to force you to, to look at yourself uh, honestly. You know, and, you know, strip, like you said, you know, peel away the onion. Let's get down to, okay, what's the basics of, you know, why you do what you do and, and what can you do to improve yourself and also to capitalize on your strengths because oftentimes so many people, you know, they recognize their strengths, but they don't really put enough effort uh, into, uh, into uh, using them to, the, to their fullest. So, so Steve, uh, any last words, any last tidbits uh, on coaching uh, that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, uh, if you've contemplated it, I would encourage you to talk with your employer and uh, make a plan. There's just tremendous opportunity for you as an individual Mm -hmm. And a blessing to your organization. Again, I think it leads to loyalty, uh, to commitment, to when you think about an individual improving who they are, it not only factors into work, it factors into their personal life, into their relationships, which in turn pays back dividends at work as well. So I just think it's a wonderful field and probably an underutilized tool in our quiver um, from an organizational standpoint. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. So, so Steve, okay, I, I would be remiss if I didn't allow you to, you know, let everybody know if they're interested in, in contacting you about uh, you becoming their executive coach, how can people do that? Yeah, simple email and uh, we'll reach back. So, sloveless, L-O-V-E-L-E-S-S, -E -E -S, 406 at gmail.com. And okay. uh, would love to hear from, would love to hear from folks. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, we've known each other for a long time. I knew the first day I met you, you were going to be a rock star in healthcare. You did that. I'm proud of you. I'm proud that I had a, like maybe that much of an impact on that. But I'm, but I'm going to take a little bit of credit. But, you know, one thing I always saw, you always had a passion for healthcare. You had a passion for people. You had a passion for hard work. And I know you're, I can already see it. You've got a real passion for, for, for coaching. And, and people really, you know, they really need to talk to you about how can you help them become a better, a, a better leader and a better person. So, you know, wow. Steve Loveless, this has been great. Not only catching up with you, but but hearing about where you're going next in, in, in your life. And so that that's just fantastic. So so viewers and listeners, boy, you uh, I, I've got I've got a, a, an assignment for you. Contact Steve if you are looking to to just make some personal improvements. Um, and so with that, uh, I'm going to say uh, goodbye, you know, we're always happy to have you here listening to to us on i don't care you know just join us on fridays with market scale radio and you know that if you miss the live version the live version yeah you know 
you can go to Spotify or iTunes, download the episode, and I'll end this one like I always do. If you haven't subscribed to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson, why the heck not? So with that, we'll be talking to you next week. Have a great week.